is, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so throughout the, the book of Joshua, we'll see that there's choices to be made as uh, who we will serve. And so with great uh, excitement and joy, we get to start this book. So I will read Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will expand from the desert Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, Go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan, here to go in and take the possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. But to the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. The Lord your God is giving you rest and has granted you this land. Your wives and your children and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan. But all your fighting men, fully armed, must cross over ahead of your brothers. You are to help your brothers until the land gives them rest, until the Lord gives them rest, as he has done for you, and until they too have taken possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan toward the sunrise. Then they answered Joshua, Whatever you commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we'll obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word, does not obey your words, whatever you may command them, will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. I've uh, had the privilege of beginning my journey through Joshua myself. I've read it before, down through the years, different times, and now to study it again at uh, at this point in my journey. A um, couple of questions I want us to ponder. Every one of us is on a journey. Every one of us is facing some sort of Jordan. And I want you to think about what's your Jordan River. How are you trusting God to lead you across it? 
how are your steps leading you toward the Jordan rather than away from the Jordan? Are your feet, even at your age, still taking ground? Or are you or are we in retreat? Are we taking possession of our future inheritance or are we giving it away? Are we experiencing God's promise to be with us because of our growing trust in Him as one who keeps His promise? And so we're experiencing the strength and the courage that He tells us to be strong and courageous four times in this one chapter. Are we looking at the size of our circumstances or are we looking at the size of our God? Well, a couple of things as we move into the beginning here, I want to point out that the crossing of the Jordan River is literally true. There was actual water. There was actual parting. There was actual walking across. But we don't want to miss what's important in the metaphorical truth of the bigger picture, that they've come to a roadblock just like they did at the Red Sea. And now they have to decide whether they're going to choose to trust God to lead them through or not. And you're leaving behind the old. And we use this a lot when we talk about weddings, don't we? You're leaving behind the old and you're entering into the new. And by golly, we should be recognizing that every time we open our eyes in the morning. We left behind yesterday. We can't get it back. And we're moving forward. And are we trusting God to move forward? And so I want to explain a little bit about metaphorical truth. As Christians, we believe the Bible is literally true. When the Bible tells a story, and this is narrative, this is a narrative um, genre of, of scripture where there's stor- there's tr- the truths are told in stories. This is what happened. They came to the Jordan. They crossed through on, di- on dry ground because God stopped the river. And as we'll read about in chapter 3, but we also understand that in many places, metaphorical language is used to communicate and explain those truths in deeper ways. Let me give you a couple of simple examples and we'll go through some scripture examples. If you haven't heard this before, you're going to hear it now. The other day, there was a storm. It was raining cats and dogs. Now, does anybody have any misunderstanding about what I mean by using that metaphorical language? It was raining cats and dogs. What does that mean? It means I got a new Labrador fell right in my yard. And I got two Siamese cats that fell. No, it means that it was pouring down rain. And so we use that language, but it's to describe a truth that's there, but it wasn't literal. Cats and dogs did not fall, but the truth that's explained there, it was heavy, heavy rain. It's a totally crazy statement, raining cats and dogs. But we know that it communicates this deeper truth. That work of art expanded my mind. Now listen, you've looked at pictures before. And every time your mind's been expanded by a picture, if that was true, literally your head would blow up, right? You'd be walking around trying to carry your head because your your mind was expanding. 
And we know that's uh, a metaphorical truth, recognizing that your perspective, you look at a picture from the Holocaust in Germany, it changes your perspective. That song, Open My Heart, or, well, if anybody knows anything about your heart, it has to stay together, okay? But the song opened our hearts, a metaphorical phrase. That trip to Africa gave me greater vision of suffering in the world, of how small I am, how large the world is, the need out there. A mighty fortress is our God. So does that mean God is a building? God is made of bricks and mortar? No. It's an idea of the fortress is strength and power and security and stability. That's what it's communicating. Jesus, like a shepherd, lead us. You, you picture, you know, a guy with a staff with some sheep following? Or is it the metaphorical truth that God leads any who choose to follow him and to be his sheep? I'm the black sheep in my family. Well, I'm neither a sheep nor am I black. But the idea is you, that's communicating there. That movie scared me to death. Well, I didn't die. I've watched many movies that scared me. So that's the idea of medical medical truth. But we need to understand the crossing of the Jordan was a literal truth. But what's the bigger behind the, what the Scriptures is communicating? That we will come to places, maybe on a regular basis, throughout this journey. And Judy, you mentioned two of them this morning. Having a child that was born with a severe physical, mental disability. That's a Jordan River. Having someone close to you in a struggle, in a relationship, whether it's a death or just a difficult time, that's a Jordan River. It's an opportunity to trust God, to look beyond. And we need to be asking ourselves, the fact that the Jordan River is a barrier, God will open the way. God will open the way and you and I must trust Him. There's barriers of fear. There's barriers of communication. There's barriers of hurt. There's barriers of the past that keep us locked in. Barriers to new ways of life, new ways of thinking and understanding. Barriers to just trusting God that He loves us. That because of who He is, we have intrinsic value as, as human beings. Barriers to facing new opportunities, certainly. So metaphorical truths are profoundly true, but not necessarily factual. Okay? So that, that can kind of confuse us at, at a moment. It's raining cats and dogs. It's, it's communicating to you that it was pouring heavy rain, but there were no Labradors and no Siamese cats falling from the sky. So the, the, uh, the metaphorical truths that are there in the story the dividing up the land, the, the statement that everywhere you set your foot, I will give you. So does that mean you, you have a, on your property that you live on, if you live on even a 100 acres, did you go and set your foot on every single place? Is that what it's trying to say? Or is it communicating as you step out and you trust God, you have no idea what He wants to and what He can lead you into. And we'll see in Joshua, it was back and forth. Sometimes they trusted Him. Sometimes they didn't. Sometimes they did. 
And there's this back and forth, give and take, all the way through the book. And you're like on pulling your hair out. We should be moving forward, trusting our great God, helping Him bring down walls. So, metaphorical truth. They're profoundly true, but not necessarily factual in the sense that they're communicating these deeper truths. Jesus is the light of the world. Well, right now we know that we have a sun that lights the world during the day and a moon that lights the world at night. But the metaphorical truth, the deeper truth, is He's the source of all light. He is the light. Jesus is the door for the sheep. Does that mean He's literally a swinging door on hinges? Or does it mean that He's the way through faith in Him? Jesus is the, the bread, the living bread. Turn with me quickly to uh, John chapter 6, the Gospel of John chapter 6. One of the most difficult and yet profound metaphorical truths in all of Scripture. There's many, many, many communicating the truth of God. But in John chapter 6, Jesus is... Uh, telling them about the bread of life. And he's talking about himself and he's talking about literal bread. And he's comparing himself to bread and the importance of this. And so I'm reading from John chapter 6, verse 30. So they asked him, What miraculous sign then will you give us that we may see and believe? What will you do? Our forefathers ate man in the desert as written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. It is not Moses who has given you bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on give us this bread. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never thirst, never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will but to do the will of Him who sent me. And this is the will of Him who sent me that I shall not lose any of them He has given me. For this is my Father's will, verse 40. Whoever looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life and will raise Him up on this day, day this last day. And they began to grumble with Him. And uh, then he says in verse 41, I am the bread that came down from heaven. How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Verse 43, stop grumbling among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. Verse 46, no one has seen the Father except the Son who is from God. And only he has seen the Father. I tell you the truth, whoever believes, has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate man in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Verse 54, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is real food. My blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me. And I am him. Just as the living Father sent me. So I live because of the Father. The one who feeds on me will live because of me. So a metaphorical truth. It's, it's craziness. It's like the idea of cats and dogs. 
Was Jesus asking them to literally take a bite out of His arm and drink His blood? No, the idea is deeper. And there's no bottom to some of these truths. There's no bottom to asking the question, what is your Jordan River? You mean, you, you should, we should all stop almost daily and say, what is it in my life that's holding me back from moving forward in my spiritual journey, in my relationships, in taking care of my body physically? What's holding me back? And every day we should be crossing Jordan rivers. Every day we should be inviting, asking God to lead us through these things, these barriers. So a metaphor becomes a figure of speech that describes an object or an action in a way that isn't literally true, but helps explain an idea or make a comparison. So when Jesus says, I'm the living bread, he's not saying he's a loaf of whole wheat. Okay? But he is saying that like whole wheat would bring sustenance to your physical body, he will bring sustenance to your physical body and your spiritual body, your spiritual life. So it's often helps explain an idea by making a comparison, often stating that one thing is like another thing, not because that thing is another thing, but for the sake of communicating a better understanding of that truth. And we can go through many of those. It says in Psalm 1 that the, the godly man is like a tree planted by the streams of living water which bears its fruits in season. Really, we're like a tree. And we already talked about many times in Scripture we'll talk about God being a fortress. He'll be a strong tower. A metaphorical truth that communicates deep meaning. So, as we look at uh, chapter 1, I picked out just... Uh, I have two goals in going through Joshua. One is one goal is for myself as a teacher and a preacher not to get bogged down. I mean, I realize it take me two years to get through the book of Colossians, four chapters. I'd be preaching at that rate, still preaching Joshua after I'm dead. So I'm I have a goal of trying to learn how to teach, preach in a better way, in more sweeping perspective, stand back, look at the big picture, and then plug unplug some things so that we don't get bogged down going through. So I'm trying to attempt to just give you an overview of chapter one. And so I picked out some things. Chapter one, verse two. It says, Get ready to cross the river. Think about what that means in the bigger implication. If you're not thinking about crossing the river, you're not going to be ready to cross the river when you meet the river. Prepare, get ready, set goals. Practice them one step at a time. Incremental growth in your life on a daily basis. Preparing yourself for each new river, each new valley, each new mountain, each new phase. If you're 13 years old and you're not preparing to be 15, you will be in trouble when you get to the problems that a 15-year-old faces. So he says to them, get ready to cross the Jordan River. And you know what we find out in chapter 3? The Jordan River is at flood stage. I'm not sure exactly what that means at this particular point of the river, but it's communicating a truth. You can't make it across without trusting God. You can't make it through this Jordan, whatever it is you're facing, without trusting God. Here's your opportunity to see God demonstrate 
who He is and what He can do on your behalf. So get ready to cross the Jordan River. And boy, that's been pounding in my head all week long. Last couple of weeks, I thought about what does it mean for me to get ready? To get ready means everything I do matters. Everything I do today affects tomorrow, negatively or positively, helpfully or harmfully. Get ready. Get ready to cross the Jordan River. And he gives them a couple days to get ready. The next thing it says, the promised land. Now I can see by the clock that I don't have time to go through all the promises, but this starts in Genesis chapter 12, as you saw on the screen earlier. The promised land was promised to Abraham, promised to Isaac, promised to Jacob. And Joseph said on, my, on his deathbed, I'm about to die, but God will lead you up into the land he promised. God promised us a future and a hope. He promised us eternal life, life with him. He promised us. And so here's these Jews on the verge, and they're reminded of the promises that are hundreds of years old already by this time, starting back in Genesis 12. And then verse 3, I will give you every place where your footsteps. Boy, my mind reels with what that means as I look back at my short 56 years. And I think about how many times I did not place my foot or take possession of what I could have and should have through faith in God, through trusting God, where it says, I will give you, I will give you every place your foot sets. What does that mean in your relationships? What does that mean in your businesses? What does it mean in your physical, spiritual, emotional, mental, intellectual life? It means to me, go after it. That somehow, by God's amazing creative activity in our lives, we are very much involved forming who we're becoming. You're growing up into who you're becoming every day. For the good or for the bad. For growth and development and positive or for... For failure and degradation and loss. I will give you every place where your foot is set. Verse 5. Verse 5 says this, No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Now it's very interesting because we don't get very far in Joshua. Well, maybe Jericho goes down, but the little city of Ai said, Yay, we don't even need to take many men with them. Just take a couple of thousand, we'll wipe them out. Didn't happen. God said, no one will be able to stand against you unless you're not trusting me, unless you're trying to do things your own way, unless you're disobedient, unless you're coveting things that I told you not to covet, as in the story of Achan. We'll see that. Verse 8, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Think about that. I think that by the, by the grace of God, 
that was probably one of the very first verses I memorized when I became a Christian years ago. When I'm, I began this journey of trying to learn how to trust God. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it. And the word meditate is the same word that you, a cow, when we describe a cow chewing the cud. It's the idea of rumination, pondering it. You read the scripture. You drive down the road. You're thinking about the scripture. And that's one thing like the Bible project has done for me. I have those pictures in my mind. And I saw the tabernacle in the middle and the tribes gathered around it. And I can see the water. And you're standing on the edge and they're going, well, we're here. And then you wade into the water and the water gets stopped up. And so you're meditating and you're thinking about what the scripture says. Be strong and courageous. I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. From time to time, I have these really dark moments in my life. And I had one on Thursday morning as I woke up to, I'm in Canada, right? One of the, my favorite places to be on earth. I haven't been very many places, but that's one of them. Okay. I'm sure I would like New Zealand and Australia, and I heard Iceland is a great place to be. But I was in Canada in a little cabin 30 miles away from a road, and um, I woke up on Thursday morning looking forward to going fishing, and all of a sudden this onslaught of all this darkness. And I've shared this before. I'm not embarrassed to share it. It's just part of reality. The enemy comes and he says, You're a loser. You're a terrible pastor. You might as well stay up here and just forget about even trying anymore. And that's, So that happens to me from time to time. And so that's a Jordan I have to cross, and i got to go back, and I need to trust God, and I need to go, wait, wait a minute. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night. I know there's a verse that says, the devil prowls around like a hunting, a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I also know that it says, that God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. So I say, you know what, devil? You just reminded me how great my God is. How great my God is that he would rescue a wretch like me. And not only rescue a wretch like me, but he would give me the privilege and the opportunity to come alongside other wretches and point to Jesus and say, you know what? He's the one. He's the one. And so my Thursday turned around quite rapidly. But so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. God has given us instructions. Can we trust Him? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you everywhere you go. Four times in chapter 1. Be strong and courageous. You know why you need to be strong and courageous? Because the road is hard. It is not easy. We are going up against a fallen world. That doesn't mean we go to the entitlement place or the pity place. It means be strong and courageous. Be not discouraged. Trust in God. Look at the story. Look what God did. Look at what God offers to them. And then again in verse 11, Joshua, go tell them, get your supplies ready. What are your resources that you have in your life right now? Resources that are laying idle. Resources that you didn't tap into, that you could have tapped into. And maybe you bumped up against that wall again and again, and you got this in uncrossable Jordan. Well, get your resources, get your supplies ready. As you're crossing the Jordan, as you trust God, He'll lead you through there. 
And then the last one. It almost made me laugh when I read it. But in verse 17, it says, Just as we obeyed Moses, we will fully obey you. And I'm thinking, wait, are they thinking about the same story I'm thinking about? Because they disobeyed Moses left and right. So now they're going to say, we're going to obey you like we obeyed Moses. And Joshua's going, I'm going to leave that one there. But the whole idea is, you may think in in the place in your journey that you're such a faithful follower of God. That you're you're just... the cat's meow as far as a Christian. And you would say, you would be bold enough or brash enough to say a statement like, just as I fully obeyed the last five years, I'll fully obey the next five years. I would want to say that very cautiously, very humbly, and very pleadingly, Lord, I need you every day. And so as we enter into this book, Chapter 1 ends with, only be strong and courageous. And through strength and courage that the Lord offers, we can cross the Jordans, whatever they might be. And so we are looking forward to preparing through this, and we made it through chapter 1. Let's, let's stand together. Lord, I would pray for each person as individual. You know their stories. You know where they're at on their journey. You know where they could be and should be. And you know what you have for them. And you know the Jordan that they need to cross. Trusting you. Looking to you for your strength and your courage. Resting in you. So they're not trying to solve their problems on their own. But looking to your strength. And then... God, moving forward with great hope, great assurance that you are a God who keeps your promises and it didn't depend on their faithfulness. It depended on your faithfulness. You're a faithful God. What a faithful God we have. What a good God we have. What a great God we have. And Father, help us, Grace Chapel community, Minerva area, Hubbard, Clearwater County, help us, God, to trust you to take us through and across the Jordan River into the promised land, whatever that might mean, even the implications of the metaphorical truths of promised land. And God, you use dirt to create us. You made us out of the dirt of the earth. So a promised land must include far more than just dirt, far more than just property, glory, fellowship with you, deep and abiding intimacy with people. We look forward, God, to what you will teach us. And the church said, Amen.